Hey guys, before we get into this episode of the SBM podcast, I wanted to fess up and let you know that I completely botched my guest's last name during the intro and feel awful for getting it wrong. It's almost impossible for me to edit that piece out, so I'm coming clean here at the start and setting the record straight. This week's guest is Robin Manili, not whatever I said in the intro you're about to hear. Thanks to Robin for being a good sport and totally okay with me leaving it as is, but I had to get it right. Now, on to the podcast. And so for me as an HR professional, to be able to be a part of something like that and to be able to really, you know, be able to shape and mold the HR department and really have a, you know, I I felt like I had a say in some of, you know, some of the way that the, the organization would grow over time. That's Robin Manili, and this is What's Next, the mini-series here on the SPM Podcast, where our goal is to bring quality content, interviews, and insights to help employers and employees navigate the ups and downs of the COVID pandemic. What we thought would last a few weeks has now extended a full year, and with vaccines being deployed and a long haul hopefully in the rearview mirror, we wanted to shift gears, get positive, and connect with the HR leaders in our community to get their take on the past year, lessons learned, and the future of work. The HR leaders in our communities, especially those in small and medium organizations, have their fingers on the pulse of work, life, and play. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and by nature and necessity, are adept at dealing with them all. These are the professionals who keep organizations afloat, help them thrive, and keep their people happy, healthy, and engaged. Who better to chat with as our focus shifts to the future than these frontline workplace warriors? My name is Chad Dawson, and as the host of this podcast, over the next few months, I hope to bring to you some of the best and brightest HR leaders from across the broad spectrum of industries and organizations to share their ideas for the future. My guest today is the awesome Robin Manili, Director of Human Resources for Mobiles a London, Ontario-based software company that has navigated the COVID-19 pandemic probably as well as anyone. They've done this by being nimble, tapping into their entrepreneurial roots, and leveraging an obviously strong culture of teamwork, creativity, and a mindset focused on solutions. They've also earned some much-deserved positive karma, extending support, tools, and resources to their clients to help them weather the storm. What I loved most about this interview was Robin's positive outlook and clear vision for the future of mobiles. A testament to a lot of hours spent thinking strategically and long-term combined with a true passion for the business and the people she works with day in and day out. Without further ado, let's dive into my chat with Robin. Thanks Robin for joining me today. So I think maybe a good place to start is if you can maybe just give me a little bit of background on the organizations. Um, and I know you guys have uh, a couple of different divisions or companies. I don't know the exact structure, but maybe just some background for context in terms of people like the, the environment that you work in and how it's structured. Sure. Um, yes, it's always a, uh, always a fun one to explain. So the way I kind of explain it, so Mobiles itself, we're a software development company. So we build, market and sell software. Um, And I kind of describe it like an umbrella. So we have products that are kind of under the mobiles umbrella. And so one of the the main products that most would be familiar with is auto verify. Uh, And then we also have blue auto. And then if you look on our website, we also have a product called RecoWell. Um, So uh, 
you know, our employees are kind of broken out. Majority of them are working on the auto verify product. And then we have some who are specifically working on blue auto. And so your clients then would be, is it car dealerships? Is that correct? Dealership. Yeah. So yeah. when we, when we look at auto verify, yes, dealerships are our main customer. Uh, so our auto verify, it's essentially a suite of tools that's integrated onto a dealership's website. And what it does is it is essentially a lead generation tool, helping dealerships generate leads in order to sell vehicles. But our tools also help customers as they're on their uh, car buying journey by providing them information like, you know, what is what is their trade in worth? You know, what type of uh, interest rates can they get based on what their credit score might look like? So it does a variety of different things, but ultimately it's providing uh, leads for dealerships to be able to sell vehicles. As an aside, I know you guys have done some something COVID related things for your customers. I've noticed like just to sort of support that. Can you talk about that for a second? Yes, I would love to share a little bit about what we've been doing. We have a motto of be better and it really extends from our employees to our customers to the industry at large. And so when COVID happened last year, we had our customers literally having to shut their doors. Their sales went to zero overnight. We wanted to do something to support everyone during this period. And we knew that our tools may be the only way that dealerships could engage with consumers now that their physical doors were shut. And given the customers had you know, zero sales, we also didn't want to charge them when they really didn't have the money. Again, this was all grounded in the fact that, you know, we wanted to be better by our customers and, uh, and the industry. And so this is where the dealer support program came in. Uh, the dealer support program reduced our monthly software fee to zero for new and existing customers. We wanted the program to be meaningful. Um, we ran it for six months. So it ran last year from April till September. And at the end of the day, the program really focused on reducing the cost to the dealer when they had no sales. And it ensured that the dealers had the necessary digital retailing tools to be able to connect with the consumers when their doors were shut. The response was absolutely amazing. We had dealers that said, you know, no, we're not going to take you up on that program because, you know, that wouldn't be fair to you. We had another dealership that we were trying to win for three years um, and their response was, you know, now that's the kind of business we would like to do business with, but no, you know, we're not going to take it for free. We're going to pay you. And of course, uh, we had many customers that did take us up on the program and they were very complimentary of how we were putting ourselves in their shoes. Um, and again, it was just, just a way for us to, um, you know, really give back to our, 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 our customers and the industry. And this year we're, we're doing it all again. We've just launched our e-commerce feature and we're allowing our customers and the industry to have the only e-commerce tool developed after COVID free for six months. And this is a way of supporting our customers and industry again during this difficult time. We're now in a world where e-commerce for dealerships is no longer a nice to have, but really it's a requirement when it comes to remote selling and customers really, it's an expectation that customers have. Um, so this is, again, the e-commerce tool is just another way that we can help dealerships be successful. So you're, so then the employees uh, there would be primarily, um, I guess, split into two things. Like, is it like demographic wise, maybe younger group? Is that correct? And then types of work is like software development and 
Yeah, yeah, I would say that uh, we definitely have a young workforce. I think as we have grown, that's shifting a little bit. Just, you know, I, I you know, we've grown our employee base probably by 30%, even just over the last, you know, five months or so. And so I think we're kind of seeing a shift in that a little bit as we start to also introduce some more senior positions into our organization. Uh, that just kind of comes naturally yep. with, with the growth. So we're about 70 employees right now. And a lot of, obviously we're a technology, a technology company. So we have, you know, software developers, data science, DevOps, but we also have um, sales, customer success. We have a product team. And then of course you have, um, you know, your corporate positions, HR, accounting, that type of thing. So we really have a wide variety of, of um, you know, types of positions just because of our, the products that we offer. Yeah. And it just, it looks to me like you guys are always in hiring mode. Uh, so <laughs> it's been a little crazy. I have, um, my team and I have been very busy with recruitment interviewing, which is fantastic. It's, you know, especially, you know, this past year has not been easy for anyone. So it's so, you know, it's such a positive thing and so exciting to be able to, um, you know, still have positions to offer yeah. and we're actively recruiting and growing our employee base. You know, it's not even replacement positions we're, we're growing. Yeah. Um, so it's really exciting to see, and I love to be a part of it. And, you know, it's really great for our employees as well, because they know they're in a safe organization that is experiencing growth which unfortunately is not, you know, not the case for all organizations out there yeah. during this time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agreed. I think it's, uh, I'm sure that factors into how people feel through COVID, right. Is, is very industry specific. So, um, to be part of something that's growing, I'm sure, uh, puts the minds of it at ease of the employees. Agreed. Sure. Yeah. feel yeah. very fortunate. Yeah. I was looking back at your, work history prior to mobiles. And uh, I'm interested, like, so you were part of some bigger organizations on the HR side, part of a law firm. So very yeah. traditional. Yeah. So I'm very interested in terms of like, just why the, like, what was the attraction to it? Cause probably when you came to mobiles, it was smaller and, and obviously still is very much an entrepreneurial type of organization. Yeah. Um, and then just like the difference between those tips, types of environments. Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I've kind of had an interesting career path where I've got to experience many different industries, which again, I, I feel very fortunate to have been able to do that. Um, you know, a lot of times I find in HR, you kind of get pigeonholed into a certain industry and it's really hard to break out of that industry. And even for myself, I, I did find that when I moved from retail out of retail, I was in retail for many years, a lot of big box stores um, which is, you know, you know, large companies always have an interesting uh, <laughs> HR setup and you kind of have less impact, I guess you could say. Yeah. So yeah, moving into, um, you know, working in a law firm, again, a very different environment. I enjoyed it very much. Um, and then from there, I, I moved over to Mobiles. And I guess the reason why I did that, because even the law firm I came from was a pretty large organization, you know, it, it wasn't the easiest choice, but I was so intrigued by the products that they offered, their culture. Just, I remember going to my first um, interview and I left there just feeling so excited because yeah. I absolutely loved the culture and I really wanted to be 
a part of something that just felt exciting. So yes, we were small, but I knew that there was so much growth potential. And so for me as an HR professional, to be able to be a part of something like that and to be able to really, you know, be able to shape and mold the HR department and really have a, you know, I, I felt like I had a say in some of, you know, some of the way that the, the organization would grow over time. Mm-hmm. And that for me was very exciting. And I kind of decided I was going to jump all in at the opportunity. And I, I haven't looked back since yeah. it's been everything I, I thought it was going to be and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're definitely experiencing the growth that I thought that we would. So it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure um, not a knock on bigger organizations, but I'm sure like it's exciting to, like you said, to have the opportunity to like probably some negatives to that, that you you wear a thousand hats mm-hmm. and uh, and do a lot of things, but uh, also like get to shape um, sort of what happens and how it works and be creative and those kind of things, which uh, in big organizations sometimes is tough, right? Yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, in, in a large organization, you're just one of many. So you're just carrying out the tasks that, you know, the senior management way, way above you is, you know, it's coming down the pipes and you're just kind of there to deliver it. Whereas, you know, being in an organization like mine, I, I truly have an impact, you know, I can help shape and mold, you know, what, you know, what path we're going to take and, you know, what our HR department's going to look like and what are our, policies and culture and, you know, engagement, all of those things, what is it going to look like? And I, um, I feel like I play a significant part in that. And mm-hmm. so, for, you know, for me in my career, um, that's definitely something that I wanted and was looking for. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I spent uh, probably 12 and a bit years at Manulife and uh, like huge organization, great place, great training for a young person, like starting out of school, like phenomenal, I always felt, and as I moved up in sort of the, the food chain there and got into the management side of things, I always felt like the HR, the HR people were more organizers, like worked with some great HR people, but they were more organizers. And now in the world we live in now, like with the HR people we deal with are mostly folks like yourself that are, you know, small business entrepreneurs, and they're more like the owners. Like they, like I, we kind of view the HR people and those types of organizations in like dealing with the owners. Like not only do you know everything that's going on inside the organization, you are also involved in everything that's going on inside the organization. So yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah very different. So you talked a little bit about the culture of the company when you went for your interview and sort of mm-hmm. that being one of the key drivers. So h- how would you describe the culture at Mobiles? So... So I, I've had the privilege of working with uh, one of the founders in a previous life. And uh, one of the things that when I you know, first came to, to Mobiles, that was made very clear and kind of I knew how important it was to all four of the founders is, you know, at the time it was a smaller company. And, you know, obviously it's much easier to shape the culture when it's a smaller organization. But as you grow, sometimes you you lose it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it doesn't, it it doesn't stay that small, intimate culture. And that was one thing that was really important to them in maintaining as we grow, which I feel like we've been, you know, successfully able to do. We very much are a culture of, um, you know, learning, asking questions. We're, we're transparent in, you know, in many different aspects, it's okay to make mistakes, but learn from the mistakes, 
you know, we're very much a, a social, we have a social culture. We love to do events together. Um, you know, before COVID, we got together, you know, at least once a month doing something, whether it's a scavenger hunt in London or, you know, it might be, you know, bowling, an escape room, frisbee golf, you name it. We were doing all sorts of things and not just social fun things, but we were also doing social community events as well, volunteering in various different ways. And so that's really been a part of our culture. And it's been interesting with, with COVID because now we're remote. So what does that look like? So we have to work a little bit harder yeah. um, to kind of maintain that social aspect, but we definitely, you know, we, we keep plugging away. For instance, this afternoon, we're playing virtual bingo. Everyone is super excited <laughs> about it. We've done it once before and it was such a hit. They were like yeah. begging for it back. So we're going to do virtual bingo. So just thing, things like that definitely help. Uh, we hold all hands meetings every Friday where everyone in the company gets together. It's only 15, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. but it gives us a chance to all be together. We can see one another's faces, you know, there's, you know, updates and we celebrate things and, you know, it's just a good way to make sure that everyone is in the know and we're sharing information. So I think that plays a part into our culture as well. Mm -hmm. We do um, um, town halls every quarter. So that's another way that we all get together virtually. And we literally go through every department talking about our OKRs and our goals for that quarter and how we've achieved them and what we're doing next quarter. Uh, we have demo days where we're giving product updates. So everyone in the company, company knows, you know, what products we're working on. What do they look like? What do the tools look like? All of those things. So that's definitely um, all ingrained in our culture. We also have... Uh, what's called, we call it our be better culture code, which is kind of what we um, kind of live by it. But it's really just, it's just that we always just work to be better in one way or another. And it's kind of just always a question that we'll ask when making decisions like, you know, how, how can we be better? What should we be doing? Um, and it really just helps guide us, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. The fact that you can answer that question so clearly tells me that you guys think a lot about culture for sure. I guess the, you know, before we started the podcast, we were talking a little bit about, you know, you're recruiting sort of outside of uh, the geographic location. How do you think that that, like, how does culture play into that long term in terms of like, if you have your workforce that's remote, spread out, like some of the things you guys are doing now are probably out of necessity in terms of being at home, but maybe sets the, the table for like practices down the road. Is that... How do you think about maintaining that kind of culture going forward? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's something I've given a lot of thought to. And I think it definitely, it changes things. It has to, there's no way it's not going to, you know, before we were all relatively local. So to all get together, mm -hmm. it was something that was possible where, you know, looking, you know, in the future, maybe it'll be possible for, I don't know, 75% of us, but maybe that 25% that, you know, is in Alberta or BC or PEI or wherever they, wherever they are, it's not going to be possible. So we have to figure out ways that we can make sure that we are including them. So, you know, whether that's a virtual event, like we're doing today, where it's bingo, and it doesn't matter where you are, everyone can come, everyone can participate, or whether that's, you know, if we happen to have a local event, we still are making sure that we're doing something for our remote employees as well, making sure we're taking care of everyone. Um, we definitely want everyone to feel included. We have always had um, a pretty fun 
holiday event. And so I think going forward, that will definitely, definitely be the one event that we ensure we bring everybody together for. Yeah. I can't wait for the day when it's safe to do that. Yeah, it's sure. Been, it's been a long time, but I think that'll be something yeah. definitely going forward that's going to be important. Whether that means we have more than that event in a year, I don't know. It's hard to say what the future holds, but it's definitely something that we've given thought to and we have to continue to you know, put thought into just to make sure we can maintain that cohesiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess were there kind of two questions here is that is that uh, on two sides of the coin, um, were there things that you obviously nobody was prepared for the pandemic. Um, so were there things that like, as you guys have gone through it, and we're almost a year in now, like, are there things that you have found that, you know, by accident or by practice or culture that, that helped sort of you get through it, like things you already had in place, like process policy or culture, those kind of things that you're like, wow, like that has really helped us throughout COVID. Yeah, it's interesting question. I, I feel like we were able to pivot so quickly and it came so easily. Mm -hmm. and, and I think maybe, maybe some of that is the fact that we're you know, in the technology, technology industry. And it's kind of just like, I don't know if it's like ingrained into what we do, but there's definitely, you know, we've had to make updates along the way, you know, just in regards to policies or it's interesting now just having a remote workforce going through all the different policies. There's just different things you have to think about now. Um, you know, we're, we're now having to keep instead of having to keep them safe in our physical workspace, we're now having to keep them safe in their home workspace, for example. Yeah. So I think, it, yeah, it, it's been interesting. It's been easier than I thought, but a lot of things just kind of come up as we go. Yeah. Um, it definitely made it a lot easier making the actual decision. Okay. Yes, we are remote first company by doing that. We're able to now push forward. We can now start to look at those, you know, nitty gritty, policy changes or process changes that need to happen. Whereas I think there's a lot of organizations who are kind of in limbo right now. They've been working remotely for, you know, a year or just over a year, you know, what are we doing? When are we doing it? And it's, it's hard when it's unknown. So I think to be honest, because we made that decision so quickly, it's mm -hmm. made things a little bit easier because we can, we've now just been working to, get things in place as you know, that's just how they're going to be going forward. Yeah. I think that's a great takeaway actually, is that I think uh, in a lot of ways, either organization like business wise or not, like a lot of people are just waiting for the end. Um, and I think there are a lot of organizations that are in just like waiting to go back to normal. And I think it's a great takeaway is that you guys like you like, not to use, overuse the word pivot because everybody uses that, but like sort of, it's like, sounds like it's a permanent pivot in terms of like, yeah, we're going to do this. And now, you know, you've used the last year as an investment in what will be your best normal environment going forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Now on the flip side of that question is what's the biggest thing that blindsided you that obviously we couldn't have expected any of this, um, but what's the thing that blindsided you that, that maybe you weren't ready for? it's really just comes down to, you know, so when we made the decision to hire across, you know, outside of London, essentially, or across Canada, um, there's a lot of things that come with that. 
a lot of things that you have to think about and I don't have all of the answers. So, you know, I'm, I'm working slowly to get all of those answers. But again, a lot of those things kind of, it just happens, it happens as we go. So I think that's been kind of the, the biggest hurdle for me is just literally from like an HR standpoint from, you know, even just laws in different provinces, or you've got Mm. different payroll taxes, or, you know, what should we be paying someone who is working in British Columbia versus working in London, right? Do we pay them different? There's just so many questions that come with it that we've had to, you know, give a lot of thought to, and I'm continuing to put a lot of work um, into these types of things. And again, it's just kind of, as we go, we figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so one of the things that, that I found is, is like internally with our organization and with kind of the industry, um, what out of necessity or whatever, like a little, we've had a little bit more like collaboration because of like, because we got kind of pushed into this. And so I found and maybe it's because we're traveling less and not out seeing clients and where everybody's in the, either in the office or in their home office. Um, a lot more like internal collaboration back and forth um, around business or like client stuff or business stuff um, on the HR side of things. Um, and I'm going to, I've asked everybody this question is just, do you, have you found like in terms of the HR community? Um, I know the, like the HR community is pretty close knit and, and there's associations and, and lots of it, ongoing education. And so have you found like any changes in within the community kind of as a result of COVID? I, I would say probably, I feel like there's a little bit more sharing going on. Yeah. You know, I am a firm believer in why reinvent the wheel if we don't have to. Yeah. I absolutely love sharing information and resources that I've created or that I found with, uh, with my HR community. And sometimes, you know, especially uh, pre-COVID, there was maybe less sharing going on than there is now, which I love, I love seeing. Um, I definitely think it's better to all work together. I think we're stronger together than we are on our own. And again, why, you know, why have to reinvent something that somebody's already done a fantastic job creating? Um, So I definitely think there's more of that going on. And I, I would like to see that continue because um, it's definitely, it's a, you know, fantastic re- uh, resource when you can count on your, on your network yeah. um, to help you out with information or, or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that echoes kind of, and I think a lot, probably a lot of industries are that way um, and maybe driven because we've got thrown into things that we aren't used to dealing with. And so everybody's kind of reaching out and saying, well, what are you doing and how are you handling this situation? And so so I think that's going to be a net positive uh, for a lot of industry and a lot of different uh, professional organizations. So, for sure. um, so I have two questions before I let you go. One is just very broad in terms of like, if you look out a year from now, kind of five years from now, um, what's your outlook from your chair, for the organization, the industry kind of past COVID or whatever permanent changes COVID have, like, how do you, de- how would you describe your outlook for the future? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a positive one. I mean, I, I truly don't think that the normal we experienced before COVID, I don't think will ever be that again. I think our normal is going to look a little bit different. You know, what that looks like, I'm not really sure. 
but I think that, you know, this whole pandemic has taught us a lot of different things. We've had to learn a lot of different skills that maybe we didn't have before because we were forced to. Um, But I I definitely think, you know, in the end, we're all going to come out stronger. Our organizations will hopefully come out stronger as well. You know, for Mobile specifically, you know, I definitely see continued growth and I'm, I'm very excited about, you know, what the future um, holds for us. You know, we're definitely going to have lots more product growth mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future. So last question I have is, is a bit more of a technical one and to, to sort of close it out. Obviously the, the business that we are in is, is in employee benefits and retirement programs. So not just those, but just kind of those types of programs. You know, I've been in this industry for 20 years. Uh, I've seen the industry change a lot. Like every other industry, COVID has changed the industry a fair bit. And I think like there's, I see there's this push to go beyond the transactional stuff, um, like not just paying claims or putting money aside for retirement, um, but more into like, wellness has always been there, but more into wellness and more into mental health and more into kind of the value added pieces that go beyond sort of the table stakes stuff. So just interested in terms of your take in terms of where you see those types of programs fitting into your organization and whether that's changed or changing going forward. Yeah, I think you've brought up some good points. I think that, you know, some of those other pieces, which you're right, we have seen Um, you know, an increased focus in wellness, mental health, you know, over the past several years, but now with COVID, it's like skyrocketing. But I think it was kind of needed, right? Like, you know, I think we've been talking about the topic of, you know, work-life balance for quite some time, but what does that really mean? It's like you you talk to different organizations and you kind of get, I don't know, you get different definitions of what it means to that organization. And I think, COVID has really forced organizations to look at everything as a, as a whole and wellness and, you know, true work-life balance and mental health. Those things are all just as important as the, you know, traditional, you know, health, dental, paramedical yeah. Yeah, type yeah. benefits. Yeah. And it's all really about taking care of our employees because when your employees are healthy, then your organization is going to be healthy. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it maybe took a pandemic to organizations to move a little faster in that direction. But in the long run, it may end up being a positive that they did get pushed a little bit harder to get there. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. I think that that aligns with kind of the, the way I would see it as well. So that's it. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate your insights. I think the, um, what I'm going to learn is that, that there is, probably not any pessimistic people in the HR world. Everybody's so optimistic and maybe that's by, uh, by nature or by uh, training or it's been pounded into you. I'm not sure, but everybody's pretty optimistic regardless of industry going forward. So yeah, I appreciate your insights uh, and thanks for your time. My absolute pleasure. That's a wrap on this episode of what's next. I hope you enjoyed the content and conversation and welcome your feedback. I'm your host and aspiring podcast artist, Chad Dawson. I'm the Director of Sales Strategy at SPM Benefits and I produce content in addition to the SPM podcast on culture, wellness, mental health, great places to work and all things related to employee benefits and group retirement plans. Thanks for allowing us into your earbuds, your car or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you have an idea for an upcoming episode, let me know. Shoot me an email at cdawson at spmbenefits.ca or look me up on LinkedIn. Let's connect and start a conversation. What's Next is brought to you by SPM Benefits and SPM Financial. You can find us online at spmbenefits.ca and spmfinancial.ca. Until next time, we wish you good health and happiness. Take care.